1: Hello and welcome to the MMQB NFL Podcast. I'm Gary Bramling. And I'm Connor Ward. Connor, we have arrived at the next quartet of teams in our uh, really unnamed preseason power rankings countdown here. And uh, you won't believe who's coming up first in the show, and this was completely unintentional, but uh, it's, it's the Cleveland Browns, our team oh, number 20. I thought you were going to say, like, the Hartford Whalers or something oh, like that, man. you know? I wish we could have blasted the Brass Bonanza. It would have been a whole thing.
3: I'm, uh... Do you remember the... Oh, you know what it was? It was Mutant League Football. Do you remember that? From Sega? No. You don't remember, um... Oh, man, you never played mutant, mutant League Football?
1: No. I mean, I had Sega Genesis. We had Joe Montana Football, and then we had Madden. Um, so it's, it's
3: football in a post-apocalyptic world, um... And it's, it's, yeah, it's just a bunch of these crazy sort of like robot zombie mutants, um, that, that play football on like these tarnished fields, um, landmines, fire pits, and other hazards, such as areas being open to empty space, litter the field, which can be made of rocks, ice, or even toxic waste, rubber, and players can die during, (laughs) during any play, um,
1: if they fumble they die um, man that's that's a that's very forward looking as far as the dystopian theme of that i mean that wasn't uh, you know that wasn't big back then it's big now
3: sure um but yeah they had two conferences um the maniac conference and the toxic conference and mm-hmm. um the the names are really bad but i was hoping that you were going to like just hit me with a mutant league football <laughs> um game like the games were like uh uh, the death skin razors which is actually pretty good um the ice bay bashers um you know uh, Basher, uh. there's also the Ra- 60- razors is better there's also the 60 whiners <laughs> which like for a kid's game uh was over <laughs> yeah. my head at the time but you know yeah. um you know, um, players also have humorous <laughs> names like bo bones jackson instead of bo jackson And uh, Joe Magician instead of Joe Montana. And Scary Ice instead of Jerry Rice. Um,
1: (laughs) That one's a bit of a stretch. Jerry Rice shouldn't be Scary Ice, yeah.
3: (laughs) My favorite part of this is the tagline, Despite all the death and destruction, the competition aspect is still high and requires much strategy. Um, So... There you go. Mutant <laughs> League Mutant League football. But no, so we're talking about the Cleveland Browns, not the Psycho Slashers or the Screaming Evils which I guess you could make an argument that the the Browns are also the screaming
1: <laughs> evils. So before we before we dive into the Browns here, I should count down the previous twelve teams just so everyone mm-hmm. gets gets their footing, get some context to what we're doing here. Uh, in thirty second, we have the Falcons. Then we have the Bears at thirty one, Seahawks at thirty, Texans at twenty nine, Giants at twenty seven, Jaguars tied with the Giants at twenty seven, uh, at twenty six, the Jets, the Panthers at twenty five. 24th is the Commanders, 23rd is the Vikings, and tied for 21st, we have the Steelers and the Dolphins, uh, and by the way, when we do have ties and we have another tie on the show, we are just unveiling them in alphabetical order. Now, on to the Cleveland Browns, who of course we uh, we, we covered their quarterback uh, in depth once again on the previous show, if you want to go one back in your feed, Jenny has joined us, so you know it was a much better show than you have come to expect from the <laughs> MMQB NFL podcast. But uh, let's go into this, assuming, I, and I think it's safe to assume it's probably going to be at least at least a ten game suspension um, for 2022. Here, it, I, it seems like the question is whether you know they will have a fine to sort of. Offset the remaining games of the season, uh, but you know, I don't know. We we can we can kind of steer clear a little bit of Watson in this preview because it's going to be at least two thirds of the season with Jacoby Brissett under center.
3: Yeah, as my uh, friends on the Around the NFL podcast used to call him, Jake Brisket. Um, it's going to be a big year <laughs> for uh, it's going to be a big year for old Jake Brisket. Um, I think that. All right, so let's try to work our way through this take. I think Jacoby Brissett at full strength and health in this offense, if both running backs are healthy and you get a little more than you'd expect out of the receiving core, is probably as okay as good Baker Mayfield with a disgruntled receiving core and a running game at full strength, right? You, You know, that probably all, you know...
1: That probably all averages out to to to
3: okay in my
1: mind, right? Yes. I you know how I feel about Jacoby Brissett. I will accept that take. (laughs) Gary in his head is like, Don't (laughs) stop me now by Queen is playing,
3: and (laughs) Jacoby Brissett's like rolling out and firing like eighty five (laughs) yard touchdowns and like
1: yeah, no, I I I I get it. Oh, I can picture that YouTube mashup right now. (laughs) So here is my here's my pro brissett. Feeling specifically, you know, I'm pro Brissett overall, but uh, when he had that year starting for the Colts, they were they were fine. They, they he was a he was a decent quarterback. I don't want to overstate it. Like I, I don't want to use hyperbole every time I speak about Jacoby Brissett, but uh, he was a perfectly acceptable starting quarterback for the for the first half of the season. Uh, he had one game, I think it was against the Titans, where he bailed them out late with a couple of out-of-structure plays, uh, set up a game-winning field goal. Maybe it wasn't the Titans. I can't remember. Jaguars, one of the AFC South teams. That's very rude of me to not know specifically. But uh, it fell apart when their receiving core was just devastated by injury. And by the end... This I, I I swear to God I'm not exaggerating. Their receiving core was Zach Pascal, who is fine as like your third or fourth receiver, and every other guy on the field was a street free agent caliber guy. It was just yep. a completely unusable group. So yeah, you know Jacoby Brissett is not necessarily going to lift up. Uh, you know a, a very subpar group of receivers but that was sort of extenuating circumstances uh, as far as i'm concerned and you know we we've <laughs> this this is when it's going to go off the rails uh <laughs> You could go back. You could look at the old Patriots offenses when Gronkowski and Edelman was at, and it didn't work. Like you do need a certain level of capability in your in your weaponry, no matter what you think of Frank Reich's offense and how well it's coached and and all that stuff. Uh, that that is my <laughs> that is my soft comp of Brissette to prime Tom Brady. So there you go. Uh, what I will say. So last year, obviously, he he got. Some significant playing time in Miami. That offense was, you know, literally, they were They were using a, a Sunbelt conference playbook. Uh, it did not fit any other quarterback except for Tua Tungavailo. It just didn't make sense for him to be on that roster as the backup. I don't know who you wanted to back up Tua last year, but it had to be like a quick strike RPO guy since that is literally all you have in the playbook. It didn't make any sense. Brissette is not a quick processor. I, I, I think, uh, you know, due to the lack of reps he's had over the course of his career, that has not sharpened in uh, in any way. But what he does have is mobility, arm strength. If you put him in his in an offense like this, and I, I believe Baker Mayfield had you you can correct me if I'm wrong, Connor. He had the longest uh, snap to throw time last year. I mean, it's a lot of rolling out. Yeah, It's a lot of rolling out. It's a lot of moving around. This very much fits what Jacoby Brissett's skill set is. So again, I'm not going to go nuts here. Uh, In all seriousness, though, I think he's a perfectly fine starting quarterback. uh, And I think he's going to be better than a lot of people expect. And I think because of that, this team is, they should still have playoff aspirations, even without, you know, the other guy.
3: Um, did you, did you, do you ever watch Parks and Rec? Yes. You you Parks and Rec guy. Um, do you ever see the episode where, um, they have the, uh, the community, uh, one of those, like, community forums, right? and I forget what the subject was, but Patton Oswald did a guest um, <laughs> thing on there, and he tried to filibuster yep. by doing his alternate <laughs> version of... Wasn't it his alternate version of the Star Wars universe? It's Star Wars, yeah, yeah. And, and yep. like, it combined with Star Trek somehow, like, uh, like, to the two places, like, met somewhere in the middle, and, like, it was, like, six hours long. Uh, you, can, I, I would like to... Uh, if if the if the listeners are down, I want to see how long you could straight filibuster on Jacoby Brissett. <laughs> I just want to see how long you could go uh, and and just make like a really deep sort of thesis length uh, uh, defense of Jacoby Brissett as a great NFL quarterback.
1: The day they finally push me out of this place, uh, it, it'll be it'll be like an untitled podcast episode that comes out, and uh, people will just sort of see like, "Wow, untitled and what? This is eight and a half hours long. Like, what, what could this be?
3: Did they accidentally just leave the recording on? Post like a... Oh,
1: that's that's good. That's really good. Oh, man. Well, that is, to me, that is the deal with this team. I guess we didn't start off with our official question because the Browns are a little bit unique, but uh, that is the deal with this team to me. I, I think they're going to be fine enough at quarterback. And I think this defense, uh, it's a talented defense. I thought their issue last year. Was going to be the back seven, was not quite ready to be what it's going to be. I thought it was more, uh, uh, it was less the sum of its parts than I think it'll be this year. I, I think that second year together for a lot of these guys is going to uh, be a big deal here. So I think they're going to be better defensively. I think they're going to be fine offensively. And yeah, I think that's the formula for a team that if they stay healthy, if you get a couple of bounces, like absolutely, this is a playoff team.
3: I'm I'm curious about the there's sort of like the meta factors here, right? Like how, and and this is the thing that I don't think you can possibly think through all the way, and maybe you can. Uh, you know, uh, I did a story on the Browns before the Steelers playoff win, or it was right after the Steelers playoff win, and I talked mm-hmm. to Andrew Barry a little bit about what kind of made them unique, and you know i i would say that they've kind of taken like a a like a corporate approach but streamlined it in a way to make it seem less cold and evil and and the fact that like they were constantly surveying everybody about everything and they were kind of doing the full transparency thing where they were surveying everybody and then they were you know incorporating some of the things that they would um suggest and like really kind of making everybody feel like they had a hand in this thing which is you know kind of that new buzzy sort of corpo environment uh structure whatever you want to call it i wonder how you can do that if your players are going to be asked every day about a person who isn't going to be there um, and is making more money than everybody else in the organization combined and, um, you know, basically is not going to have any meaningful impact on a season until 2023, you know, Um, because I would say that Cleveland is a tough media market. I would put it probably right behind Philadelphia and just ahead of New York in terms of, you know, the reporters that go there and go to battle every day. Um, And they're not just going to be like, Oh, okay. Deshaun's not going to be here until week 12. We're not going to ask about him. Like no chance. These guys get asked about that guy every single day and it's going to get exhausting and it's going to get tiring. And, more stuff could come out about Deshaun Watson. I don't know. I mean, what in totality does that do to a team? Because I know that we we try to think in numbers and spreadsheets, Gary. But um, <laughs> at, at some point, if you're a you know if you're three and six, right, and mm-hmm. you know this guy's not coming with a lifeboat to rescue you, at what point are you just like I I don't feel like doing this today. You know, I don't feel like coming into work and and talking about this
1: guy again. Now, it's a really good point, and what we don't know and what we don't have a great read on, everything about the Deshaun Watson situation is is completely unprecedented at this point, but uh, how do the players feel about him? I mean, you know, the the guys who have sort of given non-answers or, you know, we've had some cryptic comments on social media in support of him. Uh, I don't know where it goes from here. I don't know how the ruling from Sue Robinson, uh, you know, if, if you are... Uh, you know, let's say a certain uh, young defensive back on this team who has cryptically defended Deshaun Watson on Twitter. Uh, now that you've seen Sue Robinson has basically said this guy is egregious, his behavior is predatory. Does that change your mind about him? do, do does your I I don't like necessarily going here, but you know if if you have uh, someone in your family or someone close to you who has been a victim of uh, sexual assault, does that? change the way you feel about him now or is it just kind of this is you know this is the business there probably were always bad guys on this roster whether i knew about it or not and uh therefore i can i can uh separate that in my mind but you are right in that this is (laughs) this brown's media core is they're not soft <laughs> they're not going to let this go no uh will it be literally every day probably not but will it be a lot of days will it be too many days as far as this team is is concerned <laughs> yeah, it'll be especially too many if days. it especially if it starts poorly absolutely and you know that is the kind of thing that you know like you said it can it can definitely weigh on a team uh when uh when this thing starts to unfold especially if it gets off to a, a rough start here
3: yeah, and I I will say this, and fans are going to roll their eyes about this, but if you have a massive, hypercritical, cynically beaten down press corps, uh, I I know because I cover the Jets, um, uh, and <laughs> I, I, I know I just you know, and everyone says all oh, the media always gives themselves too much credit. I'm not giving anybody credit, but um, you know you're letting that into your locker room every single day and that's why I think that the Eagles 2018 Super Bowl was one of the most miraculous uh, and unprecedented victories in modern NFL history not just because of Nick Foles but because that is just a tough place to play that is the toughest place to play in the NFL and I would say that I I would put Cleveland close to second and uh, I'm just saying don't
1: discount that that's all that's uh that, that would be my takeaway there so non-Jacoby reset edition, who moves you emotionally on this team for better or worse?
3: Hmm. Um, is is J okay? Like, is that a um, is that sure? You know, yeah. Um, I mean, I don't know. I think what was interesting about the Browns last year was that there was such a kind of behind the scenes push. To get tougher and to get you know thicker and to get better against the run, you know uh, I I think there there was a lot less concern about being able to cover the pass, potentially because you were going to end up dropping back and doing you know a drop in eight and drop in seven anyway, and you kind of you know you take your chances in those situations. But I think there was a real fear and a legitimate one that if you're in the division with N- Najee Harris and Lamar Jackson and all the Ravens running backs and um, you know, the Bengals, I, I think there was a real concern over a lack of toughness, you know, and, and that's like a difficult metric to uh, quantify. But like, yeah, I mean, are we getting in the backfield and are we stopping people for a loss? You know, are we, or after yards after first contact, are we getting pushed back two or three yards? And so I think that um, JOK is interesting because the Browns liked him not necessarily because of the size factor and the thickness factor, but because he plays bigger um, than his frame. And so he's going to go out and he's going he's to kind of thump people and crush people. And can he be that kind of a tone setter for this team? Because the rest of that division is getting much better. Um, you know, the Ravens are going to be much better. The Bengals are going to be better. They're going to be able to run the ball better than they ever have before. Um, mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, can you handle that? I th- I would argue that the Steelers' run game is going to be much better because for the first time in six decades, they're going to be able to run zone read. So, you know, that's, that's
1: not going to be fun to defend. The guy who moves me on this roster, and I'm going back two years because— I thought he was an easy top 50 pick in the 2020 draft and then he was a fifth round pick so you know like I'm just I'm just wrong on this and he did get some action last year uh, and was uh, huh, maybe serviceable but uh, Nick Harris who takes over at center uh, undersized, really mobile, though, and uh, obviously a really good fit in an outside zone scheme. On top of that, you play between Joel Batonio and Wyatt Teller, and that sort of eases your burden just a little bit at this point. But uh, uh, I'm curious to see what Nick Harris does. I thought he was going to be a plus starter in the NFL. Maybe he does become that. It's not out of the question, but uh, uh, we haven't seen it in the very small spurts he has played uh so far in his career but i think he's a i think he's a fine young player and i'm uh, i'm gonna be uh excited is probably overstating it but why not i'm excited to see how he plays this season
3: i think there's also the bill callahan factor there and there's a reason that you know he is i would guess still probably the highest paid position coach in the nfl um, if I had to guess and he gets mm-hmm. coordinator length deals as opposed to position coach length deals. And so I think that's why you pay him, you know, the big bucks. That's why, you know, that's why you make it work with him. And so, um, you know, I, I think that Bill Callahan sort of solves all in those situations. I wonder what happens though. Uh, and this is deep state. You want to get deep state on the Browns? You want to get, I always want to get, always want to get deep state. What happens when, you know, I, uh, So let's let's look that up. Bill Callahan. There's an American singer songwriter named Bill Callahan. Uh, uh, (laughs) Bill Callahan, same guy. Bill Callahan's 66. Okay, Mm -hmm. Um, so what what happens when that guy goes? You know what I'm saying? Like, and because he's going to be gone much sooner than Deshaun Watson is going to be gone, right? Um, You would you would assume. Yeah, and I I would say for two reasons. One, his son's going to get a head coaching job at some point with Bengals offensive coordinator. You would assume that he'd want to go there. Um, If not, some team is going to pay him more money at some point to fix their offensive line. And, you know, does that get interesting when Deshaun's there and Bill Callahan's not? You don't have the guy that has the most phenomenal track record of fixing offensive line in NFL history. I don't know. I think that's just something something worth thinking about.
1: Yeah. Okay. That's it's medium state. I don't know if that's deep state. Medium state? Okay. I thought you were going to get into, like, interim coach stuff. I thought you were already writing off poor Kevin Stefanski.
3: No, no. I yeah. wouldn't, uh, you know. I think uh, – you know what Kevin can probably do? Would you consider – okay, here, here's, here's where it gets really off the rails. Here's where the show gets incredibly off the rails. If you were Kevin Stefanski – do you at some point you could still walk away from this, right? You could just leave and say, like, I'm disgusted with what's <laughs> happening here. And you could probably yep. be a head coach again.
1: Right? Yeah. Yeah. Definitely, right? Yes. Yeah.
3: Uh I mean, I don't know. Would that be
1: something you'd consider? <laughs> that, that is that is deep statey. That's the deep state stuff I was looking for. Uh you could you wouldn't want to bank on it though. I mean, at this point, if you're Kevin stefanski you're coming off a year that was disappointing. Uh yeah, I don't know. I don't think you're I don't think you're taking that twenty twenty one season to the bank and uh and go for the next one. But that's he's true. a good coach. I we'll also see, have a we'll bad, see what he does. I
3: also have a bad habit of encouraging people to do the right thing and then uh uh, like a, the brave and heroic <laughs> thing, and then me just not really ever do the the right thing or the brave and
1: heroic <laughs> thing. So, I would walk away from the Browns' job if I were head coach. <laughs> Why don't you, Kevin Stefanski? I probably wouldn't. Let's be real. <laughs> Look, he was he was apparently part of this decision, so he's got to own this. Uh, you know, just like uh, the rest of the team brass does. Oh boy. Uh, so, best case scenario again. I I said it before. Even if Deshaun Watson is suspended for the entire season, I think this is a team that has playoff aspirations and they are legitimate. Uh they just need, you know, they need to stay healthy. They need a couple of breaks at that point. But uh, I think the defense moves forward and I think the quarterback has a has a good year. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's uh I
3: think that's a fair place to land. Um I mean, this is tough. We don't know there's so many unknowns. I'm doing our predicting two seventy two right now and I'm looking at the Browns and they could f- easily finish 6-11 and 11 this year easily um, depending on how the emotional tides of this locker room turn depending on the length of Deshaun Watson's suspension and also like Deshaun Watson won four games his last year in Houston it's not like it's an automatic deal that since he's there you're going to go undefeated you know what I'm saying and yeah. so he's going to lose some of the games that he plays when he comes back um I don't know. I, I I don't know what to make of this team. It's this is a difficult task uh, at hand and uh well. Let's let's go to an easier one. This
0: is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh my, look at that. He is This is Uncanny USA.
2: He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed.
0: Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts, if you dare. Hey guys, this is Matt Jones, Drew Franklin from the Fade This Podcast. We got a great episode coming up, picks in all the sports, football, basketball, we do them all, but here's a preview of this week's episode. It is. I think he went into the future and had a procedure we haven't even discovered yet. And this episode was brought to you in partnership with DraftKings. To hear more, listen and subscribe to Fade This on iHeartRadio or wherever you listen to podcasts.
1: Coming in in nineteenth, we have the the Detroit Lions, the feel good Detroit yeah, Lions. Who, who doesn't want to root for the Lions? Oh here? yeah. Uh, so Connor, what is the deal with the Lions? Supercharged,
3: um, uh, supercharged club with arguably Urani's favorite under the radar receiving core in the NFL. I would say at this point, uh, they've gotten hyper aggressive. Uh, Brad Holmes, the Ramsian GM, traded up on draft night to go back into the first round after you get Aiden Hutchinson to get Jamison Williams out of Alabama. I love it. This team is high-flying, coached by Dan Campbell, who has just amazing soundbite after amazing soundbite. Have you heard his latest? (laughs) No. (laughs) Oh, my God. Um, Wait, I have to get it right. Um, Okay, here it goes. Um, So Dan Campbell says, We'll tread water as long as it takes to effing bury you. That's that's their plan, right? We'll tread water. To, so let's. We'll yeah. tread water as long as it takes to effing
1: bury you. Amazing. I, l- I love the mixed metaphor. You're in the yeah. open sea. You're you're treading water, and but then you just you come up with a shovel bury you under sea, or something
3: yeah um he is as a person who editor mitch probably knows this the best from editing me on uh on deadline uh i am the king of uh lost mixed metaphors and so uh for that we love dan campbell and uh we're very excited to uh to have him on board i i don't know i i think this team is just going to be a blast like they might not make the playoffs um they they might. Um, I I don't think it's um, you know they could stumble into this thing. I think you and you and I were both kind of a fan of the way that Jared Goff finished the season last year. Um, thought he finished the season pretty strong. They have one of the f- I don't know four best offensive lines in the NFL on paper, um, and they have uh, their defense is obviously going to be a problem, um, but just a big physical. Wide receiving core, um, Amon Ross, Saint Bar- Brown, DJ Shark, who we both really love and think there's a lot of potential for there, and Jamison Williams. I mean, I don't know, man. Jared Goff had the lowest, um, had the lowest, I think, air yards per attempt last year. I think he's going to be able to stretch it out a little bit. I think the Lions will be okay.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's it, right? And and the more I think about it. The more uh, excited I get about Jared Goff in this offense, and you know, we had talked about it months ago when we were starting to just sort of simmer with the uh, with the Lions' hot takes here, but Jared Goff just kind of being. A little bit, just a little bit unleashed outside of Sean McVay's offense, yeah. just, just a little more freedom, a little more, you know, more spread concepts as opposed to the old Shanahan uh, style, you know, sort of highly schemed stuff. Let's see what happens. Uh, it might go really poorly. He might just be, a, you know, a bottom 10 quarterback, but... I think he has a chance to sort of move up into that top half of uh, the league starters. And I think it's probably going to be right for him just to, again, get out of that highly schemed offense, play a little bit freer, play a little bit looser than he had a chance to do uh, under the Rams. As good as that offense is, I think in the end it was, it was, if anything, just a little bit constraining on him. So, you know, I don't think the guy's uh, necessarily going to be... <laughs> I don't know, in the MVP conversation, but uh, I think he's going to have a nice resurgence here in Detroit. Uh, who, outside of Jared Goff, moves you emotionally on this roster? Uh, I
3: would say uh, Panay Sewell. Let's see
1: him yeah. in year
3: two. Had uh, an excellent close, I think, to the 2021 season. Uh Again, I mean, PFF is the only pr- outlet that's really grading offensive linemen on a week-to-week basis, and while some of that is imperfect, take it for what it is. I, I want to say they had him as the the best, the highest-rated offensive lineman over the last like five or six weeks of the season, or something like that. He is an excellent run blocker, and remember, he's he's twenty-one. Like he he came into the NFL hyper young. I don't think he actually turns 22 until like week five of the NFL season this year. So I am very excited to see this guy kind of continue to come into his body to continue to develop as a professional. And like they could, they could maul some people this year. Like your worst offensive lineman is probably big V. Um, and you know, that that's pretty good. Um, yes. So, uh, you know, and and I'm not down on big V. I, I like big V. Um, you have the kind of a tight end like TJ Hawkinson, where I'm not making a George Kittle comp, but you can do George Kittle things with them, right? You can you can mm-hmm. affect defenses in a George Kittlean type of way, and so um, yeah, I, I'm excited about this run run game, uh, and 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 by virtue of that, very excited about Penae Sewell.
1: If you are going to, and and again, I think I'm going to. Pick the lines to win the. Uh, uh, sorry, not to win the division, but but to win a wild card spot, go to the postseason here this year, and that'll be sort of my my hottest uh, my hottest take going into the prediction season that will be upon us very soon. But uh, if you are going to be down on this team, which a lot of people will be, and probably a lot of people should be, uh, it's because of this defensive backfield. So. Uh, they have had so many issues. I, I, I know I'm not really focusing on one guy, but they've had so many issues in that secondary. Going back to the attempted rebuild uh, under the you know Matt Patricia and uh, and the old Patriots brass that was there. Deshaun Elliott, let's see if he sort of solidifies that safety group a little bit better. I mean, that's on paper an intriguing pairing with him and Tracy Walker. We'll see how it goes. And then obviously Jeff Okuda uh, coming back. They don't really have. They don't have anyone you'd look at among these cornerbacks and say, "Okay, this guy is a starter in the NFL. Uh, You just wouldn't say that about any of these guys yet. But uh, between Okuda and uh, Orowarieh. You might have <laughs> you might have two starters. Who knows? Yeah, I
3: I I think I think Akuda was always kind of a weird pick for Matt Patricia, right? And so I don't know., um, I think if anybody could get the best out of him, it might be Dan Campbell. and I, I I mean there was a very, very small sample size of play last year, but I'm willing to give this guy a shot. I mean, it was what one year for of Matt Patricia. And then mm-hmm. you tore your ACL the next year, like week two. So this is your, this is his third year. This will be his third year, right? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So I don't know. I I, I give him a shot, right? I, I think he could be one of those guys that it's like,
1: okay, you know, he could be your number one. He could They have a bunch of guys. And again, the cornerback position is so fickle. Uh, and <laughs> there are so many guys. I, I always call it the Ronald Darby rule to myself, where it's like you have all these guys who – the, one year they could be top 20 in the league and one year they could be you know outside the top 70 like you just get guys in that range where like they're not true number ones but you know everything kind of breaks right and you kind of hang on and the pass rush covers you up when you get beat sometimes and all of a sudden it's like oh wow yeah he had a pretty good year I don't know if the pass rush is quite good enough to cover him up. We'll see what they get out of Aiden Hutchinson as sort of a a pure wide nine rusher uh, there. They just haven't really had that guy. Gosh, when's when's the last time they had a really good pass rusher in Detroit? Uh, And Dominic and Sue? Yeah, I mean, (laughs) we'll we'll see how that front four fares. But uh, it's a lot of question marks on defense. A lot of young guys. You really have to squint to like it, but let's see. Let's let's see what they come up with because this hasn't been a good defense in a very long time.
3: Detroit Lions 2022, you got to squint to like it.
1: <laughs> yep, that's fine. I got no problem with that. I uh, Like I said, uh, as far as best case scenario goes for this team, I'm picking them to win a wild card spot because uh, why not? Uh, I'll say it now. I'm not going to back off this one like I did with Jaguars last year.
5: There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events
1: All right, team number 18, we have the Arizona Cardinals. Ooh. Mm. What, what's the deal with this team, Connor? Um, I think a team
3: that is enamored with, um, as you have pointed out time and time again, a team that is enamored with faulty success, um, and they took their playoff trip last year as evidence of uh the fact that this grand plan has come together when in reality, it's probably just, they got very lucky and Kyler played otherworldly um despite being sort of injury prone. And um I don't know, man, I just, uh <laughs> I, I think this team is, is heading, is heading for a little bit of a disappointment.
1: Let's see what Cliff Kingsbury has in store here. Uh, I mean, this entire offseason—what a what a what a mess! What a complete mess the Kyler Murray extension ends up being. Uh, on top of that, they make the trade for Marquise Brown. They still haven't, um, unless I missed something, they still haven't signed him to an extension. And, and he just got you know, arrested too. Yeah, it's like money is money, and I, I you know I, I don't want to be one of those guys who like overstates like oh what, you paid that guy. 15 million a year but he should have gotten 13 million and that's going to be really devastating but they have to pay Marquise Brown quite a bit one because of the receiver market is just a reality at this point but two they they just you know what, what was it they they traded down 100 spots or something in the draft you traded a lot of draft capital to get him i mean this is the old, you can go back, you know, Laramie Tunzel is probably the most famous uh, instance of it. It's like, when you trade that kind of draft capital for a guy, you already have to have the contract locked in. Otherwise, they have so much... They just have so much uh, uh, leverage over you, because they will just say, boy, you're going to look stupid if I walk after one year.
3: Right. Um, Yeah, I don't know what the long term plan is there. I know... Functionally, right? You got him because you needed the bur- you need a burner in that offense, right? And you always mm-hmm. thought that Andy Isabella was going to round into that player, <clears throat> just didn't work out for one reason or another. Didn't fit that mold, and Andy Isabella's has just been on ice basically for a couple of years after they spent a second round pick on him. But um, you need the burner to make the offense work and to make everything sort of unfold the way you want it to unfold. So you you almost had to make that move. That said, I mean if you're Marquise Brown, you shouldn't step on the field without a new contract. Would you? I mean,
1: you would think there was some sort of handshake agreement again uh, with this organization. You don't really know, but you would think there was some sort of understanding when they traded for him that they had some sort of communication that he was going to be on the field with or without a new contract, or, you know, maybe they work it out sometime in August, but it's, it's not, <laughs> it's not great. I don't know what else to say about it. It's just not very good. Uh, the way this is being put together. That said, you have a superstar quarterback. You have in Vance Joseph a really good defensive coordinator, and uh, you know certainly a, an interesting collection of guys. A couple of alphas. Uh, a lot of guys who can do a lot of things. Theoretically well, even if they haven't found their, you know, their spot, you know, in Isaiah Simmons type, uh, I, I would even put like Zayvon Collins that their 2021 first round pick uh, in that spot it, haven't quite gotten their footing. But, you know, it wouldn't be surprising if those guys popped uh, this year, mostly because they're former first round picks. But uh, yeah. again, you would not write this team off. They obviously are playoff contenders. I don't know, man. I, 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 like I put them, what when they were six and zero, I put them seventh in our power rankings, and <laughs> I I can I can go back and like I'm not going to embarrass people, and you know you're you're a fan of a team and you're passionate and and good for you, but man, if I hit people back on what they wrote to me back then. <laughs> <laughs> it's just embarrassing. The whole overreaction to their 6-0, se- 6-0 start was completely... We'll call it the 6-0 season. We'll call it the 7-0 season. Maybe that's uh, what they'll hang a banner for when it's all said and done. But uh, uh, it's just tough to find optimism. It's tough to look at this team and think anything besides... That was kind of the peak there. That was when everything that could have gone right was going right. And uh, in the end, you ended up being an even worse version. Yeah, you know, what did the Steelers go in 2020? They started like 9 0, and like the Seahawks and the Titans were, were undefeated two months into the season. And I feel like there was not the kind of overreaction there was to the Cardinals' start, which again was just built off every possible bounce going their way for two months and uh we saw what the seam ended up being in reality
3: yeah um i what worries me about the cardinals is that they have set their roster up basically like other teams use heavier personnel to be able to dictate an opposing defense and uh accentuate their run game. The Cardinals are trying to do that from the inverse, right? They're trying to use spread personnel to keep your lightest guys on the field and then they're trying mm-hmm. to hammer you with thick running backs. Um yep. but your, you know, your tight end is Zach Ertz. You know, I don't know necessarily how much you get In the run game there, Zach Ertz forces you to stay in nickel, obviously, for longer. And so that's kind of their plan, right? Is like we have a big running back, we have a bopper at running back, and we also have a quarterback who can run if we need him to run. But I think a lot of that falls apart when, you know, Kyler's not Lamar Jackson. Like, you don't want him, you don't want him leaving the pocket with regularity. And I think at some point, teams are just going to invite that. Like, okay you know you're not he's not as athletic as lamar he's not going to make people miss like lamar and he's not as durable as lamar and so i think at some point other teams are going to be like okay yeah we're we're going to let him go and and we're going to and we're just going to wallop him and then you guys are going to have to figure that out afterwards you know i think their infrastructure worries me it's a little less sustainable i would say than teams that are trying to attack it by by the by the inverse like the cardinals are too light and spread out Uh, at a time when the NFL is
1: getting heavy and compact again? It's like two months ago, and I think we talked about this on the podcast, I was kind of wondering, okay, does Cliff Kingsbury have something new he's going to roll out? Is this just going to look different? Uh, But then the fact that, you know, for all the embarrassment over the homework clause, it does tell you how the Cardinals feel about their quarterback. And (laughs) You know, are you going to try to revamp your offense on the fly with a quarterback who you don't trust to watch tape on his own? I I just I, I don't see how that's possible. So no DeAndre Hopkins for the first six weeks. Uh, A.J. Green is, is not A.J. Green anymore. Uh, Rondale Moore is a is a gadget guy. And Marquise Brown will. We'll see. I mean, Marquise Brown has to be an absolute star early on here. And maybe he is. Maybe there's a, uh, you know, old chemistry with Kyler Murray from their Oklahoma days. And, you know, maybe uh, Marquise Brown is just a better fit in what they do with the air raid concepts as opposed to what they were doing in Baltimore. But
3: this team is not um, air raid anymore, Gary. They they they're they're done. It's not an air. They're they're a Sean McVay tribute band. That's what they are. <laughs> <laughs> no more air raid oh, it's done
1: boy. air raid is dead baby mm. alright well what's uh, uh, uh? who moves you on this roster emotionally I feel mm. like we're kind of exhausted <laughs> with the Cardinals at this point but who moves you for better or worse emotionally on this team
3: I, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to answer that question but I'm going to bring up one interesting uh, conspiracy theory that a, a, a listener DM'd me um, mm-hmm. And uh, I, that was that could the Kyler homework clause have just been a very easy to obtain incentive that they dropped into this contract in order to get him more money? And then it got way. It just got way out of hand.
1: Maybe, but you'd think someone would have been able to message that behind the scenes if if yeah. that was the case. I don't know.
3: Yeah. I mean, it was an with, interesting
1: thought with this organization. You just don't know. You don't but. know. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I would have thought that that would have been because uh, you could have you could have undercut that whole storyline right away. If you just you, Adam Schefter will <laughs> will run what you tell him if he's with Adam, <laughs> Adam Schefter and said, said, hey, no, 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 that, that's not the deal. Like we just put this in because we want to give him some free money.
3: Yeah, um, that's true. That's a good point. Um, all right. So who moves me on this roster, Gary? Uh, I would say. Boy, I mean, James Conner, to me, had this phenomenal season last year, his best season in the NFL. He was a red zone threat. Um, But that said, you know, I don't know how can you get that out of him again, right? Can you replicate what you had last year? Um, Because like we talked about, the Cardinals, you know, the Cardinals were able to spread teams out when they had DeAndre Hopkins and AJ Green and all these guys healthy and on the field at the same time, at some point are you going to be forced out of your groove there, and um, is your run game gonna gonna hit a hiccup? Also, James Conner is now 27. That's sort of a you know that's sort of a tough threshold for running backs um, in general. I mean, he was only well, he was getting 13 attempts a game last year, but will have to take on a bigger percentage of that now that chase edmonds is gone i don't know man i'm i'm interested to see how that goes like can you can you expect him to replicate and the run game in general um to replicate itself and i guess i'm making james Conner the face of that
1: i'm uh i'm really having a tough time getting excited about the defense side of the ball here outside of the fact that vance joseph and buddha baker are part of it uh, what really worries me here is Chandler Jones, obviously, uh, he's he's out in Vegas now. I don't know what they do to get this pass rush going. I, if J.J. Watt were to stay healthy, which is a huge if, and were to sort of capture his old form a little bit, you know, he's still a good player, but he's not J.J. Watt. I like Marcus Golden as sort of a you know, high-motor kind of complementary type of pass rusher but he's not Chandler Jones Uh, let's see what they do with Isaiah Simmons and I am the king of getting excited about linebackers who move to the edge (laughs) I think every linebacker who has ever moved to more of an edge role is going to be a star in that role and they never are but uh let's see Uh, you know Isaiah Simmons for all of his Versatility and flexibility and positionless profile came to the league, I think is more of a guy who was going to be better in coverage than in the blitz in the NFL. And now it seems like they're going to have to go the other way with it. Uh, one, because he just hasn't been good enough so far. And two, because I think they need that pass rush help. But uh, yeah, I don't know. This is a, to me, this, this has... Uh, we've been so doom and gloom during this preview. I want to say something nice, but it's just tough to find anything to say that's overly positive about this team. I don't know how they they replace Chandler Jones, and that's up to right. Vance Joseph. I think he's a really good coach, but I don't know how they get this pass rush going the way it has been going in past years. And uh, and then you just have look—you have Marco Wilson is probably going to be in one corner spot. Uh, yeah, Antonio Hamilton—it's it, just. It could be rough. It could be a defense that gives up more points than they have in a long time. And uh I don't know. Let's let's see. Vance Joseph is a really good coach. Let's see if he works some magic here.
3: Bring it on, Cardinals fans. And you know, just I'm just saying, slow your roll a little bit. That's all. Just a little bit.
1: All that said, I they were a playoff team last year, they should have playoff aspirations. Kyler Murray, maybe he does take off and and hit the next level here. It, it, there's a lot of pessimism this summer over everything they did. <laughs> Rightfully so. But yeah, sure. This is this is a potential playoff team. It also might be uh, uh you know, a seven-win third-place team in that division in perpetuity. That's what I'm talking about. All right, our last team of this show, and we actually have a tie for 16th place. And again, we are doing this alphabetically, or if you're counting from the bottom, it's going to be reversed alphabetically. Uh, 16th place, Tennessee Titans. I guess we're both kind of down on the Titans. Uh, I love the coaching staff, I love what they've achieved there. I love a lot of the veterans on this team. It just seems like every offseason they they just lose a big piece. And I don't know. I mean, maybe we're wrong to underestimate this team at this point because they've done this before. I mean, it, you know, they lost AJ Brown this off season, but you know, they've 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 done it. They've figured it out on the fly. They're they're uh, they've got a good foundation here, and I don't know. I guess that's just my way of kind of apologizing for putting this team 16th because they just seem to win a lot of games every year, no matter what.
3: I think they're they're. I think they have the best coaching. Maybe one of the five best coaching staffs in football. Is that, is that overstating it? Do you think?
1: I'd go with that. No, I I, yeah. I I'd, I'd agree with that.
3: I also think that the, whatever we're hearing about Traylon Burks at this time of year is probably pretty stupid. Like just like we 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 thought uh, Jamar Chase couldn't catch last year. You know, mm-hmm. I, I think I think trading camp is dumb, right? Generally speaking, and so I'm not scared about that. I just think ultimately it's what you realized last year, right? This is a very good team full of some of the best players in football. Um, I think they have the best or very close to it's like one in one a with the bills, the best safety tandem in the NFL. Um, They have some great play on the front seven. They have one of the best running backs of our generation um, who sure you're a little bit worried about uh, coming back after last year, didn't look himself in the, in the playoff loss to the Bengals. But you know I could you win that division again easily it wouldn't wouldn't even I wouldn't even bat an eye at that but as you get deeper into the playoffs, is Ryan Tannehill the guy that is going to elevate you in the moments where you need um, you know ba- basically what we saw the Bengals have in Joe Burrow last year, right
1: That's what's really interesting to me about this team and uh, it's the quarterback, so I don't want to overstate it like. <laughs> you know have have you thought about the quarterback on this team before uh before you preview them this is the first year that Ryan Tannehill has been in Tennessee where it's kind of been like all right man like you can see the end of your life like this this is it like we're we're kind of done with you so If you don't have that kind of performance that you had, you know, two years ago, there were people putting him in like the MVP conversation based solely on his box score stats. But that's okay; Uh, They were really impressive. He was playing really well. It slid back a little bit last year with, you know, Derrick Henry out and it just wasn't quite as good an offense. Now, the team has sort of messaged to him that they don't see him as a long-term solution in all likelihood uh the number one receiver is gone i don't know how that affects him i you know i don't know if this is something that goes off the rails really quickly if he starts slowly this year and the fans are calling into uh you know to radio nashville asking when malik willis is going to be on the field there's a lot of There's a lot of pressure on Ryan Tannehill, but there's always a lot of pressure on every quarterback. It's just like the feel-good vibes are gone.
3: Yeah, the feel-good vibes are gone. Uh, Ryan Tannehill has reached the end of his grace period. Um, I think the Titans fans are smart enough to know, now that they've seen this offense work in other places, Ryan Tannehill going from, whatever, the 21st best quarterback in the NFL to maybe the 6th or 7th most efficient quarterback in the NFL, I think his first full year in this offense, he was number one um, in Pro Football Focus's efficiency grades, I mean, he had a great run, but... Um, this is a roster that's built to win now. Could you get yourself into the veteran trade market after this year and maybe pry loose like a I, you know, I know that the Raiders just signed Derek Carr to an extension, but someone like that, you know, and Derek Carr's deal is really only like a it's it's a couple of option years. Right. Could mm-hmm. you get someone like that if if Las Vegas decides to go in another direction? Um, you know, does could Baker Mayfield come in there and win for you if um, if it doesn't work out in Carolina, but he has a decent year? I don't know. I'm just saying, man, you know, if there's um, this offense does a lot. For teams, for guys, it elevates guys, or at least it has in the past, and at what point do they kind of get impatient and say, like, you know what, let's see what Malik Willis can do, and Malik Willis needs some time. I mean, he's late to the yeah. position in general. Um, you know, I, I don't think he started playing quarterback until, I mean, I want to say it was decently far into his high school career. There's some stuff that needs to get ironed out there, and it, and I think it will, um, but I don't know, man. I, I I think at some point you're going to just keep banging your head against the wall, and it it's uh, it reminds me of the Buccaneers roster before they got Tom Brady, right? Where it's just so good and so deep, and you're just like, can we get something else in here uh, to make it work? You know, will Sam Bradford pick up our phone calls if we if we give him <laughs> if we give him a ring? Oh man! Just kidding.
1: <laughs> That, by the way, that was the deal with the uh, with the Titans. We didn't officially introduce it that way. Uh, Uh, Who moves you emotionally on this roster?
3: Um, I would say Jeffrey Simmons. Right. Let me get me get me real twenty twenty Jeffrey Simmons this year. Get me like Aaron Donald like Jeffrey Simmons. Tear it up. Um, You know, you and Bud Dupree on the right side there. Just start carving up defenses. Really make this um, the the full force, um, the full force defense that I think it could be. Because um, I, I think Jeffrey Simmons is so good, and I think he he he's, I think he's got such a high ceiling. Um, and and I would like to see that. Uh, I would like to see that
1: unleashed. I think I called him there, Aaron Donald, last year. You did. Is that what I did last summer? Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's it's really good, and that that defensive backfield could be good. You could say that about a lot of teams, but like you've kind of seen it from Christian Fulton, uh, Kevin Byard is still one of the best of the best safeties. I think Elijah Molden is really good in in the slot there, and then uh, you know if Caleb Farley ends up being anywhere near a first round caliber player, this might be kind of like it was a couple years ago when they were they were pretty stacked in the defensive backfield and you know, maybe that's what ends up being the thing that carries this team. Uh, I am, as far as the guy who's going to move me emotionally, I'm going to look at Robert Woods here. I know everyone's sort of hyper-focused on Traylon Burks. I don't think Woods is going to necessarily, you know, replicate AJ Brown in this offense, but, uh, He's not only a really good veteran receiver, uh, assuming he is he is back fully from the torn ACL. I know we kind of take that kind of stuff for granted at this point, that guys are just going to come back healthy. But he's such a good little things guy. And I know we said a lot of these things about Julio Jones uh, a year ago, and it didn't quite work out quite as well. But I think if Derrick Henry stays healthy for 17 games and Robert Woods is out there you know, doing his thing as a blocker on the perimeter i think he's a something of a difference maker not a.j brown but i think he is better than what they got a year ago from julio jones and that's a that's a pretty good thing to have at a at a very low price that they got him for
3: yeah yeah i i think so um so gary um what uh what do you think is the best case
1: scenario for the titans this year i'm glad you asked connor uh you would say that they could very well win this division again. I mean, you'd be foolish not to think that is a uh, possibility. I don't think they're as good as the Colts. I didn't think they were as good as the Colts last year, but uh, they still won the division, and the Colts did not make the playoffs. So, yeah, they, they can win this division. I think more likely they are hovering around five hundred and uh, battling for a wild card spot while Indianapolis runs away with the division this year.
3: You know what I think? How about you, Connor? yes uh, okay so i I think i think that they're going to i think they're going to get a wild card spot i think the colts win the division um i I think we're on lockstep on that here's my wild outsized scenario on this right so Mm -hmm. i got their schedule lined up here right in front of me and so let's see here so week six they have a buy so that's what a week before the trade deadline week six you have a buy. And you go all in, and you trade for Jimmy Garoppolo week six. What, Gary? Whoa. And then you turn it all around. You turn it all around. You give Jimmy Garoppolo another shot. You inject some life into this franchise. <laughs> Come on, baby. Let's go. The Col- the Titans should have gotten Matt Ryan, by the way. That's what they should have done. But
1: Yeah. Yeah. I don't know, man. I mean, it's worked with Tannehill. I get it. Run it back with Tannehill one more time. Maybe maybe you maybe you recapture the magic.
3: Okay. Just saying. Ryan Tannehill, recapture the magic.
1: <laughs> yeah, I could see it on a bumper sticker. Sure. The MMQB NFL Podcast is Connor Orr and me, Gary Gramling. We are produced by Shelby Royson. SI's executive producer of podcasts is Scott Brody, and our senior podcast producer is Dan Bloom. Mark Mravick is Emeritus Editor of the MMQB Super Bowl Champion. Andy Benoit is the founder of the MMQB NFL Podcast. Be sure to subscribe to this feed on Apple Podcasts. And once you do, please leave a rating and review because it really does help other people find the show, which is also available on Spotify, Stitcher, SI.com, and wherever else you listen to podcasts.
2: Zumo Play, Live Nation presents Concert
4: Week now through May 14th. Get twenty-five dollar tickets to over five thousand shows. That's up to seventy-five percent off a summer full of your favorite artists like Twenty One Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bizzlefuma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than five thousand summer shows for just twenty-five dollars until now through May 14th. Visit livenation.com slash concertweek to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 seconds to Mars, oh, and two-door cinema club.
5: There's no distance too far for the perfect trip.
4: Hi, checking in for...
5: Or the perfect table.
2: Hey, where are you? Coming!
5: And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it